Listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. All are current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years' experience. Each month, we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello, and welcome, everyone, back to the Medic Materials Podcast. My name is Mike. I am sitting all by myself with Emily. It's not really all by yourself. Well, then. it's sort of all like the. the hey, hey th- this is something. This is something. This, this this is a moment. This is a moment. You're sitting there with, yeah, you're you're. Did you completely forget that you're sitting there with Emily and Kelly? Oh, <gasps> how could you forget her? Hold She's on. right there. Hold on. She's. Isn't that her new sound effect? Is the crickets? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it sounds like a squeaky seesaw. You know, that's exactly what I said when Gerard was like, you should have crickets. <laughs> I was like, this damn thing sounds like a squeaky wheel. Don't mm-hmm. talk about her like that. <laughs> so the squeaky gets the oil, right? <laughs> she knows that. She does. Uh, so one, uh, one of the really cool things is we are sitting here with everybody. Just everybody is somewhat at a different spot in the world. Um, Gerard, you're here from a uh, undisclosed bunker somewhere in uh, the uh, People's Republic of New York. Yes. And, uh, and, and Kelsey, where are you? Like Gilboa? <laughs> like Gilboa. <Yes. laughs> Just listen to that. Listen no, to no, no, the middle of nowhere. It's definitely Gilboa. It's definitely she's, Gilboa. Yeah, she's up on top of a telephone pole, tapped in, you know, hardlined. <laughs> yeah, I've got like the the wire antenna sticking up off my head right now. There you go. Uh, there you go. But uh, one of the re- one of the really cool things is is uh, in the last episode, the uh, October twenty third uh, Patreon episode, we actually debuted a brand new sound system. Um, that uh, that the table invested in, and um, and now this is the first time that the free, you know, everyone, users, listeners, whatever you want to call yourselves, um, can actually listen to it. So the uh, we have a really cool soundboard that is able to bring in, you know, Kelsey through a phone call and Gerard through uh, a Skype call, and then have mm-hmm. me and Emily sitting here able to hear them, talk to them, and everybody's recorded. So uh, their audio, you know, sounds fairly good other than, you know, Kelsey and Gilboa. Kelsey and Gilboa. <laughs> and uh, and poor Kelly, she's got a microphone, but I don't know how much talking she's going to do. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see <laughs> I, what I'm she's gonna thinking. I'm going to bet she's probably going to talk twice as much as she normally does. Yeah, well, she might. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of table for her to, uh, for her to you know, compensate she, she, for. She likes a big room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the really awesome things was, uh, you know, this was a long time coming for the show, the sound upgrade. And, um, you know, uh, we're all excited and it was really brought on by, you know, uh, listener feedback. Like there's, you know, every time that listeners email the show, we, I get it and I, you know, share it with you guys. Mm-hmm. Like we take all of that constructive criticism to heart. And, uh, and this was really one of those things where they were like, Hey, we, you know, we really love what you're saying. We really love what you're doing, but we want a little bit higher quality. But you sound like shit. Right. You see, well, we appreciate it, that, guys. Right. And that was it, you know, and uh, and we couldn't hide from it any longer. So we upgraded. And now I think we sound hands over fist better. Yeah. So um, we're going to do a really interesting uh, call re- call review today. Um, ding. I don't want to ding myself. Unless he's not here, you have to. <laughs> um, 
but uh, but yeah, so we're going to do a really interesting call review. So, uh, Kelsey, if you can tap into uh, some satellite dish near you, can you give us the uh, rig check for the week? Yeah, it's one of the old I will ones. try my best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, so we have officially reached 925 subscribers on our YouTube page. So thank you to everybody who has subscribed. Our next goal is to get to 8,000 subscribers. That is a huge oh deal in my book. And there's like a lot of people that apparently like us. That is a massive, that is a massive number. Yeah. Yeah. Massive number. Um, We also want to thank everybody who purchased Medic Materials Breast Cancer merchandise this week. We will be announcing soon how much money we raised and we're able to fund the foundation. And as we announced to our Patreon listeners in last month, October 23rd, Patreon-only podcast, Medic Materials is doing a sponsorship with Leatherman. So plenty of EMS providers that everybody knows carry the Leatherman Raptors as a part of like their everyday essentials. So now you can buy the Raptors and the Raptor Minis, which I'm super excited about because I love things that are tiny. It works better for tiny people like me. <laughs> and a portion of the sale will go to the medic, mater- medic materials for no extra charge to you. And we're also shouting out our listeners in Alabama and the solo camps today. So thank you everybody who has supported us this far along in our journey. And can't wait to see what, where you take us. And, uh, and, you know, the really cool thing also about the link is, you know, there's, there's other links that I'm working on with Leatherman so that, um, you know, eventually we'll be able to put out another link that has the availability to purchase, you know, multi-tools and other leather, other Leatherman products, um, you know, as well as just the Raptors. So you can find that uh, in that link in every description box of anything that we do. So podcasts, show notes, YouTube, sh- you know, videos, it's all there. So you can f- easily find it. Um, so, guys, are you ready for this uh, for this ridiculous call? Oh, God, I don't know. Oh, boy. Right, uh, so I'm, I'm going to. So is there an emulsion blender? No. Oh, God. No, there's not. <laughs> but Is there a wet bandage? <laughs> no, so we're going down our checklist. There's no wet bandage. Right. They did get a blood glucose. There's no. Uh, there's no UTI. Okay, thank you. I'm <laughs> ready. <laughs> I think we're ready for this. All right. There's no emulsion blender. Um, and uh, if you're wondering what the fuck we're talking about with the emulsion blender, it's not an inside joke. It's just a Patreon only joke. So uh, if you're not a Patreon, go there. You can listen to the last Patreon episode. And find out exactly why we're talking about an emulsion blender. So, um, or or don't, or and, live, <laughs> and live a long, happy, ignorant life. Or shave yourself and don't. Yeah, thanks, Gerard. You know, yeah. um, there's two pills. One is red, one is blue. I would suggest the blue one for this call. Thanks. So, uh, hey, it was a good call. Do I realize most of our listeners are uh, EMS providers, and they're going to want to take that red pill? That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Uh, unless you've been doing this long enough, then you, you, that blue pill looks really good. Well, you know? I don't know. What? I like steak. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, this I call... To- uh, side note, I totally would have sold them all out on freaking The Matrix, dude. I, I would have totally been Cypher. Yep. I could see that. Give me the blue pill. I'm eating the steak. They're right over there. Yep. yep. I could totally see that. <laughs> Fuck them all. <laughs> I don't honestly remember what's was there steak in there. Well, that was his thing. Was you know he likes to taste the steak. He doesn't care whether or not it's real or not. So yeah, uh, the blue pill and uh, fuck all your buddies. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Oh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the uh, this 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 call takes place in a uh, smaller urban location. 
that is covered by a uh, private ambulance service and a paid fire department. The, uh, the paid fire department staffs a transporting ambulance with two EMT basics, and the private ambulance is staffed with one EMT and one paramedic. Uh, your local hospitals in the area, there's three within, the, within a good driving distance. Uh, one is a small community hospital that's going to be seven minutes away from the scene. The, uh, the second is a level two trauma center and is roughly 15 minutes away from the scene. And the third is a cardiac specialty hospital around 25 minutes from the scene. So um, remember, level two uh, trauma centers, for, for those that don't know, is their capability is, you know, all trauma. However, they have to call in resources. They're not actually staffed there 24-7. Uh, most of the time, their, their doctors and nurses on the trauma team have to be within, like, a 30-minute drive mm -hmm. or something like that. But um, so... You guys are dispatched, priority one or a Delta priority, uh, to a private residence for a five-year-old female, <coughs> that is zero five, five-year-old female with complaints of respiratory distress and lethargy. God, I just said I hate kids. I'm sorry. That was off, that was off recording. Now you've admitted to everyone that you she hate kids. She doesn't hate kids. She hates kid calls. So that's I mean. actually, hold on. This is actually a perfect segue. I couldn't even plan this better. You're welcome. My next sentence is most providers hate pediatric calls. Yep. And why do you guys believe that is? Like, what is the what is the scary part about peds? They don't communicate. But do they? Not well. But do they? Not you how just, I like it. Okay, not how you like it. <laughs> but they do communicate just in their own form or fashion. Right? I mean... It's like charades the entire call. That's true. I mean, you do have to figure out, you know, what an owie and a boo-boo and, <laughs> you know, like all of their different phrases and stuff mean. Um, but are there other reasons that you might not like Pete's calls? I mean, just in general, like. They're very okay until they're not. Right. And that is. There's no gradual decline. No. It's and that good, good, good. Drop. Dead. And that is 100% an accurate statement. Like there's, we always hear that they're on the plateau until they hit the cliff and then mm -hmm. they're off the cliff. There's no, hey, we're going to roll slowly down the hill. Right. Um, and that's actually, you know, they, the kids really do compensate really well mm -hmm. until they don't, you know, it's, it's literally a light switch. Um, so heading into this call, I want to hear your guys uh, kind of thoughts. What are you guys thinking heading into a respiratory call that, you know, possibly has some altered mental status with a five-year-old. Uh, I'm just Emily, looking at Gerard. I'm, uh, Emily, uh, <laughs> Gerard. Like, well, no, let, 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 hold on, Kelly, hold on, let, hold on. Hey, hold why are you st you're stepping I, all over Kelly? Let her finish. <laughs> <laughs> so, no! uh, so, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard when you know, we can't actually see each other. Um, uh, yeah, she, I know. Emily was looking at you for <laughs> your answer. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's my go-to. No, I mean, you know what? What medical history does a kid have? You know, is this an asthma? What time this, of year is it? You know, are we in cold kind of season? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, are we? So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna barge in there and just say it's fall. Okay. Mm. So it's perfect cold and flu. Everybody gets sick season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, just pretty much. basically uh, I'm thinking about, you know, what chronic conditions are, you know, would cause a child to be this way. And then, of course, I mean, it, there's no report of choking or anything like that, but uh, maybe keep that in mind, too. You never know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
that's, that's a great point. One of those things with peds ex- at, at any age is always think airway obstruction, no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, and always think if it's not natural, then it's foreign. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, kids, they, they swallow anything. Oh, yeah. You know, literally anything. I went to um, a seven-year-old seizing uh, off of one of the major highways, and we get there, and, oh, yeah, the kid was seizing, but he was seizing because he was choking on gum. So, yeah. Yep. And literally, my seven-year-old asked me if I if he could have gum for the first time <laughs> last night, and uh, I was like, "No, your airway is like this. <laughs> like it's no. still a funnel." <laughs> um, so, wow, we just sucked all the fun out of childhood. Fun <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Well, I don't want my kid dead. <laughs> so, sorry, son. Your airway is uh, <laughs> Hold on, I didn't hear I that, Kelsey. I think especially at like the five year old age of a fall, one of the major first questions you should ask is like what's the hair at school? Because at five you're probably probably only the first or second year in school. Um, and especially in like during an hour your immune system pretty much been on pause with like the whole mask thing. Um, asking like has there been a case of strep or something going on at school because that spreads so quick with kids. Yeah, and that is a legit point mm-hmm. in that you do have to kind of look at how you know have they been in contact with anybody have they you know has the school been sick has the class been sick has their brother or sister been sick like is this going around um because one kid gets it the whole class gets it yeah you know and that's just a fact and then the parents get it you know i i love my kids coming back from school getting the brother sick and then getting us sick because that's just one less sick that i have to deal with um have kids they said it's great they said <laughs> So, all right, so both ambulances arrive at the same time as they're both based out of the same station. The uh, the fire department EMTs jump out of their truck, grab their first in bag, and go right into the house. The, uh, the crew of the private ambulance at that point in time is still gathering their ALS gear from their truck. Um, the fire department EMTs are met at the front door by a frantic mother. Um, she leads them through the home into a playroom where they find the pediatric female sitting half slumped over on a couch in the room. Uh, She does not realize that they've entered the room. And the mother is repeatedly asking the EMTs, like, fix my kid. What the fuck is wrong with her? Blah, blah, blah. Um, The lead uh, fire department EMT steps into the room and begins their evaluation. While the secondary fire department EMT begins to persuade mom, like, hey, come step into this side room. Like, I'll talk to you over there. Um, this is about the same time that the private ambulance crew also finds their way through the home. The paramedic enters the playroom and immediately, um, attacks the lead fire EMT, literally just starting screaming at them. Like, why the fuck did you come in here without me? Literally, this is like, they were in there for a minute and a half. Right. But immediately starts scolding them for coming into the house without the paramedic. Okay. It's already done. Move on. Right. Wow. The medic then tells uh, them to move and just go get demos. You're not needed here. Oh, fuck wow. off. Douche. Right? That's a douche move. Fuck off. <laughs> so. Well, guess who, uh, guess who ain't going to be here to help out in about two minutes? Yeah, when that five-year-old Yeah, that's frumps. what I was thinking. Is it's, you want me to move? Okay, I guess that's it. I'm done. Okay. I, I like where your guys' thought processes are going already. So uh, the fire EMT begrudgingly steps aside as they they did not want to make this whole scene worse. Um, so, really, with, with this limited, you know, story so far, 
we're off to a fabulous start, in my opinion. Um, if you guys were this, you know, fire department EMT, how are you going to handle, like, this situation, a bossy, a douchey, like, you know, angry paramedic? I, I've been there. You just walk away and let them drown themselves. You know, you say that, but there is a five-year-old that did not realize that there is strange people in their house. That is not good. I do not like this patient presentation at all. And quite frankly, I don't give a fuck what you just told me to do. I will take a step back. And that's as far as away as you get me. Like, I am still here. We have a patient to care for. This is going to be a team effort, whether this medic likes it or not. I will deal with him after. Mm-hmm. This Why is it not the be time him? Her. Fine. I'll deal with <laughs> them after. But I, like, I, you know, all of us said it. Oh, what a douche. Fuck off. Like, that's absolutely going through my mind. But I'm not going far away because this kid does not look good. Right. And and clearly, you know, from the from the rip, the paramedic does not seem to care. No, because he hasn't even looked. That she hasn't even looked. Whoever. Right. Um, you know, honestly, hasn't really even taken notice right. that kid is sick in front. Right. Yeah. They're more occupied with, hey, let's, you know, cause trouble and, you know, confusion in the scene. Like, that that doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Um, Gerard, did you have any thoughts? I was just thinking, I mean, I, I might just take a step back and maybe call up my captain and say, you want to come down here to the scene? Because we might have an issue. Okay. I you mean, know? not a bad idea. 100%. Yeah. I think that is a an appropriate move. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, then it's out of my hands. Then if, if you know, homie wants to keep going down that path, they can do it. The captain can take care of it. Right. Yeah. yeah I think that's a yeah. That's a bold move, Cotton. I like it. So <laughs> see if um, it pays off. <laughs> so the uh, the paramedic actually steps in, begins their initial physical exam. They find that she is responsive to verbal stimuli only. Airway is clear, fluid, or debris. Uh, ventilations appear to be shallow and distressed at a, uh, a visibly estimated rate of around 30. Uh, she has a palpable radial pulse, but her capillary refill is around three to four seconds. There appears to be no trauma or visible abnormalities that the crew can spot without you know, further investigation. So, <coughs> had to hit my cough button. Uh, I picked up in my mic. Damn it. <laughs> I'll hit both of them next time. I was going to say, I I heard the cough too. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, overall child presentation, good, bad, ugly, ugly, ugly. I don't like it. So what does this paramedic specifically need to be doing at this point in time? Like, what do they need to focus in on? Respiratory breathing right now. Why? Why did this come over as a respiratory distress? I realized that she's shallow and distressed, but was she breathing fast? Does she have a cough? Are there other respiratory symptoms? They don't know Does she yet. feel warm? Like, I would keep assessing. Okay. So, I can only assume that mom in the, you know, conversation with dispatch was not 100% sure, like, Hey, kid looks like trouble breathing. That's what I'm going to call it in as. And she's lethargic. Not like we all know being medical providers that dispatch information is only as good as the person giving giving it. it, Right. And if if mom is already freaking out, like, oh, my God, she see. That's what I want to know. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay. No one's asked. Hurry up. So the the (laughs) one of the one of the EMTs from the fire department 
took her into right, a separate into another room. room. So, so hopefully, you know, they're doing stuff to be able to actually get this information. So is there anything else that the, the paramedic needs to be focused in on other than just gathering story? Like, is there treatments or, you know, a specific evaluation that anyone wants to do at this point? Yeah. Uh, do your ABCs, man. Start, start right off the rip. Ch- check the airway. Uh, listen to the lung sounds. Listen to lungs, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly with the lung sounds. Like that one's that one's a big yeah big one in this uh, in this patient. So um, by the time that the uh, the fire department EMTs have separated the mother um, into like the second part of the house, they begin to get details of the story. Uh, the mom reported that the daughter has been home from school for the last four days, not feeling well. She began to have a fever on and off and progressively got weaker and weaker until she became so lethargic this morning that mom was unable to really wake her, and that's why she finally called 911. Um, mom also reported that uh, she has had a hard time eating and or drinking anything for about two days. Um, she also experienced vomiting yesterday about four to five times throughout the day. Um, last night, her fever had returned, and mom has been treating it with children's Tylenol and Motrin, since yesterday evening. Uh, This morning, her fever was 103.5 Fahrenheit. She gave another dose of the Tylenol. That was about an hour prior to calling EMS. So um, they also find out that she's a generally normal, healthy kid. There's no medical history. There's no allergies. She doesn't take any medications. Um, So these, these fire department EMTs, they choose to stay with mom, and they don't choose to report any of that back to the (coughs) douche canoe paramedic. So I'm personally unsure of their motive. I don't know if this move was on purpose. Like, hey, fuck you. I'm not giving you any information. Go drown by yourself. Are they afraid to go talk to him? Yeah, I think the tone was set that, um, you know, they're not. You don't need us. I mean, I, I get that, especially me, like big personality on scene. But that's only going to help the patient. Right. So I feel like I would not have withheld that. Would I have gave some sass? Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm still going to tell them. Right. And that and that's that is the biggest factor in, like you said, it affects only the patient. Right. Like the medic doesn't care. At the end of the day, like he's a dick. We know. But when they drop that patient off, it doesn't affect him. Right. It yeah. only affects the patient. So me holding that back is not doing anything to that medic. Right. And like I said, I don't know if it was intentional or they just said like, "Hey, I don't want to go back there to get yelled at." Or, yeah, "Hey, I'll listen, give this to him. I'll give this, you know, to the paramedic in the truck later." Blah blah. Like they can deal with it until then. I don't know, but it was a move that was made. I mean, maybe they thought like, "Oh, there's really nothing that pressing. We'll just, you know, I'll let them know what I know." Right. Well, it is relevant. It is relevant. So the paramedic in uh, is still working through their physical exam. They uh, they find that her skin is mottled cool, and fairly diaphoretic. There is equal chest rise. However, they find intercostal retractions and ventilation still appear to be very shallow. Lung sounds are taken, and they hear crackles in the bases bilaterally. Um, Apices are clear. The the medic directs their EMT to gather a baseline set of vitals, uh, which return blood pressure via the manual cuff is 7-0 over 5-0. A respiratory rate is counted as 40 in shallow, Heart rate does not register on the pulse ox probe. Um, and an SpO2 on room air is 92%. She does still have radial pulses present. So first, I want to get 
each of your guys' opinions on what do you think you're dealing with here? Hmm. No report of the child having like difficulty moving her head. So the the way it's been explained to me is that she was like slumped over and you could, you know, she'd kind of like groggily move her head around. Uh, but no like meningitis, like, hey, I can't okay, yeah. move my neck or head and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's to me right now, this is still going to be a respiratory um, cause unknown right now. Okay. Yeah. Still going, I still going respiratory? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's really all you have to go on right now. Okay. All right. Even, you know, so are there, um, do you guys believe that there is any cause and effect to findings or, or how this call is going thus far with the interaction between the crews? Do you think that is negatively affecting anything at this point in time? Well, yeah, you've got... You the, have uh, two hands working instead of eight. Yeah. yeah. Good way I mean, of thinking about it, right? You're losing hands and people. You're I losing mean, valuable information by not having mom in the room. Right. And I mean, the second that you walk in and you see her lethargic, not really responsive, you know, responsive to voice only with delayed cap refill, you know she's in shock. How long is she going to stay there? Mm -hmm. right. You know, I think now, yeah. like, you just need to move and move quick. Okay. All right. I like it. So... Um, does the baby look swollen? Well, not the baby, but does the kid look swollen at all? There's, there's no does that make sense? Yep, there's no swelling, no edema, <laughs> nothing like that. Did you just okay. call her fat? Just kidding. <laughs> well, you could be a cute chubby baby, but I wanted to know about, like, if it looks like abnormal, like, water weight. I don't know. But it's a good thing to be <laughs> thinking about, like, could this be an allergy? Like, she got stung by a bee outside, right. or she got bitten by a tick, it's fall, who knows, you know, like... I, yeah, I think that's a good thing to think about. That long. What was that, Kels? So an allergy wouldn't last four days. I was just trying to think of, like, maybe, you know, your five-year-old could have a cardiac condition. You don't see it often in kids, but maybe. Very true. Um, so keeping the possibility, you know, open. So the, uh, the paramedic tells the EMT to connect her to the cardiac monitor, then stands up and tells their EMT partner they're going to look for, quote, the fucking crazy mom. Wow. So, yeah. So, I don't know if Who you guys... That? This is what the paramedic. Is wow. <laughs> what was this? What time is this? What time of the day is this? Morning. Yeah, because so there's no up. reason... So, this isn't no 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, just woke you up and you got every reason to be freaking, you know, pissed off at the world. It doesn't even matter. Could no. you imagine, like, even being pissed <laughs> off at the world at 3 a.m. walking in and seeing a sick kid and be like, oh, fuck you oh, no, for getting me out of no, bed? Seriously, just, right? Like, I'm what? Just, right. I'm, 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 literally, I'm literally just trying to find anything I can... To give this person the benefit of the doubt. No, he's a shitball. There is no benefit <laughs> right, no, of the doubt. No, you, know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like okay, you know, you broke up on the wrong side of the bed. You're having a bad day. You know, life sucks. Whatever. But there's probably because I mean, he created I it. Imagine, or I, she. imagine I, I, I cannot imagine ever talking like that. He didn't like, even see the mom. Like, and that, like, that's it. Could you imagine, like, you know, no, sitting there and I being can't. like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go fucking, you know, find that fucking nut job of a mom. No. Like, uh, it's like, like I couldn't even imagine listening to that uh, on scene, being the EMT or even a second paramedic or whatever. I'd be like, dude, you know, woman, whatever, doesn't matter. Get the fuck out. Like, bye. Yeah, we don't go. need yeah, you. Seriously. I'll take over. You know, like, clearly you're not in the right headspace to be here. Right. So, um, of course, because these are the way the calls happen. 
to be able to review on this uh, on this awesome show of ours is they get up, they say this about the fucking crazy mom, not realizing that while they were working on this child, the husband came home from work. Oh. And is now standing in the hallway. So now there's a crazy husband. So now, oh, there's, no. so now there's a crazy husband who overhears this stupid jackass paramedic go, hey, fucking crazy mom. Right? How do you feel like that would go He deserves over? that. I feel oh. bad for his partner. Seriously, right? Like, absolutely. So, of course, because there's no other way of uh, getting around the confrontation the husband of, um, you know, enters the room and literally starts just screaming, pointing his finger at this fucking idiot paramedic. Good for him. Right? Yeah. He's he cursing that. Right. He's cursing at the paramedic. He's telling him to get the fuck out of the house. That's you know, right. The, literally, the EMT just stands up and is like, we need to separate the two of you. Like, But now the, the husband starts screaming at both of them because now the EMT is trying to break yeah, them both, up. They both wear right? the same uniform. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So... Hearing all this from the other side of the house, the fire department EMTs and the mom come back into the playroom and they attempt to settle the whole situation down. Mom is able to pull the husband away from the room and they both go to the opposite side of the house. Once they leave, um, the, uh, the, the paramedics partner uh, calls on their radio and does exactly what Gerard said to do calls up their soup and is like, yo, you need to come down here. So while all this is going on, um, the cardiac monitor has been sitting vacant, vacant. Yeah. What's going on with just, the kid? Just doing, Did doing its cardiac thing. or anything. So we got a pulse ox. It was 92 on Romero. Okay. How you can still feel, um, radial pulses, but the pulse ox couldn't pick up an actual heart rate. Mm. So, they finally look down at the uh, at the cardiac monitor, and they see a narrow complex tachycardia at a rate of two fifteen. Mm-hmm. But again, no one's noticed this because they're all Time out. fighting. Two one five or two five zero. Two one five. Two one five. Okay. And it's still just as bad, but I I would agree. So now that there's four EMS providers in the room again with no parents, the uh, the paramedic. They finally look over, and they look at the kid, they look at the monitor, and then they look at their partner, and they're like, this fucking kid's going to die. Yeah. Like, but please, keep fighting with the dad. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Right? So. Don't let me interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't let, you know, my sickness interrupt your bad fucking day. Right? So, you know, getting away from patient care for a second I think we can all establish that this paramedic has zero professionalism at this point in time. I think we can all agree with that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. What do you guys think about, like, leadership skills in this? Like, do you feel like this paramedic has any or has they have they set the table to be like, this is the way the call is going to go and it's just going to go down the shit? Yeah. Like. Yeah, there's. I, don't, I, I think, don't think they've made it hard to do actual patient care now. Like, I think the parents are going to be hard-pressed to actually trust this paramedic. I and wouldn't. At this point, like, until the soup comes down, here's your highest level of care. Like, not saying that your three EMTs can't do anything, but to a certain extent, 
you're going to need that paramedic to do some patient care. But maybe and at this point, he just takes that kid and said, well, that's not today. Maybe you take, you know, that one EMT that took her to the side and like, can't, you know, had that conversation with her. Maybe they've developed a rapport enough to be like, listen, she's really sick. This is what we want to do. This is, you know, he's the one that's going to do it. I'll be right here. We'll walk you through it. Like maybe you have, I mean, you have to rebuild it. You have to move. I'm sorry if he's a douche, but he's the only one right, that's going right, to help right, right now. And, like, this is what we're going to do. All of us agree on this. Right. And I'm almost wondering if, like you said, you kind of have to rebuild that um, that rapport. rapport. But maybe even though, you know, technically your, you know, your, your, your provider in charge, your, your lead provider is the paramedic, maybe there needs to be a switch. Yeah. And it go to that fire department whoever has the good rapport and like yes the medic is still going to do the skills but that doesn't mean that they have to be in charge right and and that that pivot might need to happen well at this point with the supervisor on the way i would just i mean if i how long are you going to wait for them to get there though well when i was if i was an emt at that time i would have said uh you need to go sit in the fucking truck just just get out of here yep because then at least i mean she's unresponsive almost unresponsive with a heart rate of 215. I don't know if I really want the person that's able to fix that to go sit in the front of the ambulance. But Right now, that they... person's more of a hindrance to anything being done. But that's because, what I, mean, I like, just... as an EMT, develop a report and try and fix it. If I can't fix it, then there's no other option. Right. They need to excuse themselves. But at the same point, can you trust that that paramedic is able to fix it in the headspace that they are? If I know that, better. Like, fuck you, fuck this kid, if I'm I fucking know better. done here, like... Am I an EMT that doesn't know what the next step is? Am I an EMT that, you know, oh, well, how are we going to do that? I don't know. Right. Or am I an EMT that knows exactly the steps that are going to get taken? Right. But how many EMTs do you know out there that do know the exact steps that this paramedic should be taking? Meds, dosages, you know, to be able to be, like, watching them. Most most wouldn't. That's true. You know? Um, I'm just putting myself on the scene, like... This motherfucker's okay, going to get so a throat punch. Putting, I'm just, putting I'm just you on the scene the is very different because he would the get a throat punch. There. Well, I was just thinking that as, in the time it's going to take the supervisor to get there, um, between me and the other two EMTs, we could use the time to package the kid, get him ready to go, and all that stuff, and hopefully by the time. until somebody else gets I agree, there. I I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, is your supervisor a medic? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I, would, I would assume that, yeah. Yeah. So, assume. Well, How far away is the supervisor? Is it one of those things? That you can just, you know, we'll start putting the car seat on and get them going, and we can pick up the soup along the way and just right. take I mean, the medic out of the car. You need to extricate or... this patient out of the house. So if that's what you can get done before they actually get treatment, then right, get that done. Right, we're not just sit there, yeah. Right, don't just sit there on scene. And twiddle your thumbs. Right. Right. You would still have to be doing something. Right. I agree. So the, uh, the fire department EMTs move outside to begin getting equipment ready for extrication. And, you know, more or less, they're going to move the stretcher towards the door because they were thinking, let's just carry this kid out. Um, The paramedic searches for an IV site. And um, because now there's no oversight, the parents are in the other room. They can more or less do what they want. And um, they find a they find an IV site in the left AC. And of course, because they're jacked up on whatever they blow it, they blow it. Mm -hmm. Now, kids inevitably are tough sticks anyway. But now you have an amped up paramedic. It, you're you're going to miss like the the level of hey we're going to make this a hundred percent one time IV attempt is probably slim gone. So 
they search on the other arm and find another AC vein on the right side, uh, which they are able to cannulate with a uh, 22, 22, 22. <laughs> I'll ding myself on that one. A 22 gauge catheter. Um, and the EMT keeps telling their paramedic to like chill, right? Just chill the fuck out. I'm out. Kelsey has a question. Okay. That's not how you're supposed to ask it. I have a question. Um, so I have a question. Um, as you know, going through my school, what? It, how do you choose for like teas, like IV sizes? Like, is there like a rule of thumb? Feel it. Or whatever fits. Feel it. Feel it. It's the same you choose as an adult. Can I get an eighteen or a twenty in it? Can I get a twenty in this twenty instead of a twenty-two? Mm-hmm. Feel I mean, it. Most people for peds, I I feel. Where do you start? AC is the well. Yeah. It depends on the size of the kit. At are five, we talking? Yeah. Are we talking a ten-month-old? Are we talking a five-week-old? Or are right. we talking a five-year-old? You go from like the scalp to like the the back of the wrist, and then kind of move up. But at mm-hmm. five, I bet they have pretty developed ACs. Yeah. That you I probably mean, could have got a twenty in. I mean, let's put it this way: you look at. Um, I I know no one knows what my kids look like, but they're you know fairly tiny, a seven and a five-year-old. And I could put a 14 easily yeah. in both of their EJs. Like, they're gargantuan. <laughs> but yet, their their ACs are still very prominent. You could probably fit a 20 in there easily. You know, and, and they're not, you know, like they're normal, healthy kids just like this one, you know, typically. Um, so, really, it, it goes off of what fits. It doesn't have to be the old adage of, you know, every kid gets a 22 and a 24 because they're smaller. And no. No, no, because those actually will hinder you, hinder your success. Right. Because they bend. Right. And uh, what, kids, I, what I usually do. Yeah. I mean, what I yeah, usually not do for is, nothing. Uh, uh, we got a delay or something. Sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. No, I was saying what I usually do is um, for pediatric, that's not, you know, an infant. Um, I'll usually pull a 20 and Same. look for a site. Same. And mm-hmm. if something looks good. I'll go for it. If I don't see anything that I'm confident I can put a 20 in, then I'll drop to a 22. But usually uh, 20 for a pediatric is, Shame. is, is yeah, it's a good shot. Yeah. And not for yeah. nothing, but like, do you know how frustrated you're going to be if you're trying to push a denizine or whatever med through a 24, like something that has to go quick? Yeah. You're going to be so annoyed. By the time, mm. by, by the time you get through, get through the, yeah, it's yeah. already burnt and useless. Exactly. <laughs> so like, why would I? Yeah. So much you Yeah. I, I agree 100%. Um, so this EMT continuously tells their partner to just chill, right? During both attempts, they noticed that the medic's hands were shaking. They're mumbling under their breath, like, fuck this, fuck that. All about the IV. Like, mm-hmm. they've already set themselves up for failure. Like, yep, I'm going to miss this. This kid's going to die, whatever. I'm done. I feel like this paramedic has already sold this call down the river. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of where the camp that I'm in. So, yeah. uh, the, the IV is established. And the medics hangs a uh, thousand ml bag of normal saline, opens it up halfway. Um, then the paramedic steps out of the home to make a phone call to med control. Um, while on med control, he um, he's given uh, orders for adenosine, zero point one milligrams uh, per kilo. No other orders are given, and and, and I'm <laughs> assuming that they're going down the SVT route here. Yeah. Um, with the with the heart rate of 215, the altered mental status, and the whole you know presentation history. So 
Meanwhile, while the you know the the paramedics outside, um, the remaining EMTs are able to carry her outside, secure her on the awaiting stretcher, and the paramedic paramedic soup arrives on the scene. Thank God. Um, well, now, let's let's back up for a second. With the, with, uh, yeah, I understand that you know we've got a uh, we, we've got an SVT and all that, but uh, nobody had addressed the the fact that we have crackles in the lungs, and I mean this kid is legit has been sick for a few days. Mm-hmm. But say you know, it's. I don't disagree with the adenosine, though, because it's no, not really going to hurt yeah, no, them. I, I, right, no, I was just saying that, you know, let's let's also take that step back and remember there's a whole big picture, other other things going on here, too. Um, it's not just the SVT. There, this kid is legit sick. But yes. something else. But what it, say it's like an RSV, fever on and off, mm-hmm. respiratory distress. You know, say it's RSV. Now they're in SVT. You still have to stop the SVT. Right. You're giving fluids. There's nothing that you're really going to... Well, there is, but... Right. I don't disagree with starting with adenosine. I mean, in this case, you know, typic- typically for pediatrics, SVTs are caused by significant dehydration. Yeah. Right? Or WPW. Right. But again... You're the, not going to know. You're not going to know. Until you slow it down. Right. So... I don't disagree with the adenosine and the fluid at all, being that, you know, uh, no one, even a five-year-old, cannot sustain 215 for right. very right. long. Exactly. Right, yes. And then you can slow it down to know what you have. Right. There might be, I'm not discounting what you're saying, Gerard. I'm I'm just on the camp of, yes, there Fix is something first. There's something that caused this, R, or, uh, this SVT. It right. wasn't like... Oh hey, this kid's had SVT for the last four days. Right. right. Something caused them to do it. Well, that's it's what I'm so saying. So the SVT is the SVT. Of this. The SVT right. is a result. I of agree. I agree. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think still think respiratory. I still have RSV in the back of my mind. Okay. Yeah. Um. So the uh, the paramedic supervisor arrives on the scene. They make their way up to the EMT who initially called for them. This is the paramedic's partner, and they say, "Hey, come over here. We're gonna have a chat for two seconds." Um, the EMT tells their soup that their paramedic partner is literally out of control, totally out of line and caused this, you know, chaotic, uh, you know, this chaotic scene inside the house between the parents. Um, so then the soup goes, okay, carry on, you know, get inside, start taking care of the kid. I'm going to go talk to your partner, walks over, talks to the partner and asks again, what the fuck happened? Right. And medic, in my opinion, tries to lessen the situation. Knows that they fucked up, yep. And tries to cover the tracks, right? Because uh, the story I got was that this medic tells the soup that the uh, the mom was bonkers, no, and causing a hostile scene. I love that word, like hostile. She was being it's hostile. her fucking kid, right? Um, and uh, he told the fire department to remove her, mm. and then she must have gotten the dad worked up because that's well, that, when he started yelling at him. That's an outright lie. Outright fucking lie. Yeah, but lie, in his mind, right? it's, it's one word versus truth. one word. Right. You know? And what um, are you going to do? Fight about it now on scene while this kid's crumping? Right. And that's it. You know? What is the what is the overall, you know, soup going to do in this whole situation? Right? There's definitely a situation that needs to be solved. I feel like my first thing as the, the paramedic at this point. 
Well, and my first thing out of my mouth, if my supervisor arrives, is like, this child is sick, get the fuck in the ambulance, and we will work out why you're here after. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, we just need to... We need to focus on the kid, yeah. not the scene. It's not like this kid is just a bullshit, you know, minor asthma attack. Like, she is sick. Right. I don't need two paramedics outside of the ambulance talking about who said what and what mm-hmm. happened for... I don't care. Yeah. And I, uh, 100%, like... How is it going to go over playing devil's advocate? The soup comes over and goes, hey, I don't care what the fuck happened right now. This is now my call. Right. Is that, is that you know, uh, you know, douche canoe paramedic going to sit there and be like, oh, okay. Like, or is, is there going to be What are they going to do? I was going to say douche Who canoe knows? paramedic doesn't have any say in that. Yeah, it's you your know? supervisor. They're saying, like, take this, you know, do, sit in the front of the ambulance, whatever the fuck you got to do. I'm taking this call. We'll talk after. I mean, I'm not disagreeing. I think that is the perfect way of doing things in this, in this, you know, scenario. So the, uh, the, the, the regular paramedic leaves, goes into the The ambulance, the douche canoe paramedic goes into the ambulance and starts doing medic shit. Right. Look at him go. Yeah. At this point, the soup goes inside and finds mom who's literally leaving the house to go into the uh, the truck and just goes, listen, what the fuck happened? Give me a like 15 second rundown of it. So the girl's inside the ambulance and the douche canoe paramedic estimates that her weight is around 45 pounds, draws up two milligrams of adenosine and with the help of their EMTs uh, administers the adenosine rapid push and then a rapid fluid bolus after the push. How rapid? You have a 22. Yeah. I'm I'm sure they squeeze the bag really hard. Yeah. Like it is what it is, right? Um there was nothing that was said to me that like they drew up, you know, 50 or 60 mLs and pushed it afterwards. There was nothing like that. It was I'm going to squeeze the bag really hard. So the rhythm slows and then works its way back up to 220. Still narrow complex, still an SVT. Uh, the medic again becomes hostile, like grunt, you know, grumbling under his breath, cursing, blah, blah, blah. So where's your guys' heads at with this call? Like, um, we've kind of, you know, covered the, the douche canoe paramedic, what should have happened to them. But now that, you know, the adenosine doesn't work, where are you guys moving towards with the SVT or just treatment in general? Well. I mean, I'm going to state the obvious that you don't have enough pipe for the adenosine to work properly. Yeah. Uh, so if he's already blown the one line on the other side and this one is obviously ineffective, um, you know where I'm going. Um, I'm probably going to probably going to break out the uh, the trail. Okay. I think I think an IO is warranted here because uh, this is this is now a, uh, a life critical type issue. Um, so, right, because the mentation's not getting any better. The kid right now. Yeah. So as of right now, they're still they're they're teetering between verbal commands and painful stimuli. Let's just put it they're they are on that fence line between the transition of both. They're you know they're still very lethargic. Their eyes are closed. They're not moving around. Yeah, you know, with an eye, with an IO, I'm going to be able she's to. She's just sitting there, laying there, like, okay, do what you want. I don't care. Which is. Yeah. Not, not normal. normal for any Not kid. Not good for a kid. Yeah, with well, I am going to be able to 
you know, push the uh, the adenosine with the rapid bolus. Um, I'm going to be able to dump fluid if I have to. Um, it, it's going to afford me all, you know, everything that I need uh, to try and make this kid better. Um, that 22 is not going to do it. Okay. So, so I have a question. Yes. How quickly is the adenosine even going to get to the heart, though? Because doesn't it have to break down in the bone matrices? Ooh, I'm going to let Gerard take that since he brought it up. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it. I'm kind of at a no win right now, so. I mean, it does work, though. It, it, I it will work. work. I don't it know why, work. but it does. You know, yeah. you, well, you still have all of the, um, you know, intern, like inside the bone, you still have all of those capillary beds yeah, for I mean, it to good. go to, right? You still have all that membrane that it can dissolve into. Um, the biggest thing is that. Aden- remember, uh, remember, we've talked about this, Kelsey. Adenosine is just synthesized um, ATP <sighs> that the body would use anyway, right? It's our fuel yeah. source. Just you know, instead of thirty-eight ATP from the Krebs cycle, we're giving six milligrams or five milligrams or two milligrams or whatever it might be, and now we're giving you know fifty million ATP at that point in time. Yeah. Why we give it so close? to the heart is because we need it to get there, right? Faster. Faster, right? Um, so it actually... But that's what I'm saying. It's so, just going to be still, in an I.O. below the knee. It's How still going to get there with the half-life. It's still going to get there. Obviously, if I had a 20 in the AC, that would be my preferred method. Right. But yeah. I don't. So I'm going to say it still is going to get there. The effects, though, however, are probably not going to be as strong as if you had a 20 in the AC and you're giving it there. Or even, why don't we do a why don't you do humeral the, head I.O. Because that is thinking. central line access, yeah. almost. I mean, it's not central that's, line access, but it's close damn enough to where you're giving, would, yeah, you're giving it right to the heart at that point in time. Right? Because that's going to hit that subclavian and psh, right into the heart. Right? Yeah. Um, is there any consideration for cardioversion at this point, guys? I was just going to say that. So that's what I was thinking about. Because if your IV didn't have that much of an effect, and let's say for some strange reason, or you just are too scared to drill the kid in the shoulder, or whatever your reason may be, and you go for you know, right near the knee, if it's going to have such a limited effect just like your 22 in the AC did, is it even worth wasting your time? Well, like I said, I, I, personally, me, I would have gone for the normal head. But, uh, but it, even if it, you're it, gonna... it's still worth it because now you're going to have large bore access to this kid. Um, you're going to be able to do other things down the road if you have to. Uh, and you don't have to do it later. So, I mean, either way, I would do it. Okay. I'm not disagreeing. If I you, don't disagree. You know, with I, I think it's warranted, um, especially in this case. You know, um, I don't know if I would push. I don't think I would take the time to push another round of adenosine. It, it's worked. You know, if I double the dose, you know, based on you know the metrics of the protocol, because the next you know they already tried you know point one. Now they're going to try you know point two. Right. It's not gonna, it's not gonna change anything. I don't think. You know, I'm I'm moving towards cardioversion. Um, 
no one wants to zap a tiny kid, but they you know, we also don't want them to have a heart rate of 220. I mean, right, but right? how effective is that going to be? You know, you zap a kid and they convert, say they convert to a sinus tack. How long is that sinus tack going to last? Because whatever put them into SVT the first time is still going on. How well, much fluids do they that have? That was my point before was the, this SVT is not the cause. This is the right. result of. Mm-hmm. So even if but we convert this kid into a normal fluids rhythm, more. Give There's or something. Where I was about to go. Oh, and then if I need to, I'll cardioverting over. But like cardioverting them now, I mean, I don't know how many, fl- how much fluids have I gone. I was. That's exactly where I was going. How much fluid? I was about to ask how much fluid have we given so far? Because you told me he opened it up halfway. Well, right. halfway into twenty-two, he didn't bullish shit. Well, and that's so. He didn't even, you know. And again, I don't know whether this is a he or she. We're just using right. that. But um, this paramedic, there's nothing that tells me. Um, how much was given at this point in time? So you know, but honestly, how much can you give without making the fluid in the worse? So typically, your pediatric bolus dose for this case should be twenty mLs per kilo, per pig, yeah. right? We they estimated um, weight, just saying forty five pounds. We don't know if that's under, over. We don't right. know. We don't even have a kilo at this point in time. Emily, you're on your phone. What's 45 pounds into kilos? Legit, not just... Oh, I was like, do you want me to do my cheat? No, not do your cheat. Um, 20.45. 20.45. Yeah, so, you know, now you're looking at, you know, giving like a 400 bolus at this, Mm -hmm. you know, like a 400 ml bolus. And typically for peds, you're going to do that, you know, over like a three or four minute period. You, you know, like opening it up halfway, and especially, I was going to save it to the end. I don't like the fact that they put this kid on a liter bag. A liter bag. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. You I was know, say that, if but. you have five hundred bags, put them on that. Put them on a hundred bag. I know in New York they got rid of the burette. I love those things, but they got rid of them. Whatever it is, what it is. I'm not salty about it. Um, <laughs> Are you salty, vet? <laughs> but you know, even uh, even doing dosing through. You know, like a 60 ml syringe. Right. And drawing up 60 mLs, giving 60 mLs, drawing up another 60, pushing another 60 over periods of time um, would be a better way of bolusing than just going, yeah, let me hang this thousand bag and opening it up halfway. Because now, who the fuck knows? With a 22, who knows how much they've gotten? I don't know how much they've gotten. Right. So, um, getting back, the, uh, the soup at this point. Um, has entered the ambulance, and the uh, the medic is the the primary medic is getting ready to cardiovert the girl, mm-hmm. and the soup politely says, "Stop what you're doing, exit the ambulance, get into my vehicle, drive back to the building, clock out, and wait for me to be there." Cool. That's some tea. And I'm like, I feel like that's appropriate yeah. Yeah. with all of yeah. this, you know, bullshit, right? Absolutely. Um, the uh, the soup asked the EMT if their paramedic had any orders other than adenosine, and the EMT was unsure. Didn't have right. that. They weren't on the phone call. Didn't have that phone call, right? So the soup then calls med control uh, while telling the fire department EMTs to start transport to the cardiac center because they still have 25 minute drive to get this kid to a cardiac center. Right. Um, now, just so we're kind of clear on where all of the moving parts are, 
there's one fire department EMT driving the fire department ambulance. Inside the back of there, there's the other fire department EMT and the soup. And the, soup. the other paid EMT, the douche, douche canoe's partner, is driving their rig behind them. Right. Okay? To the hospital. Okay. And the douche canoe medic has left the scene because he's, he's a douche, douche. canoe. Elvis so has left the building, yeah. <laughs> Elvis has left the building. Um, so the, uh, the soup gets orders uh, for cardioversion at 0 0.5 joules per kilo. Uh, after the phone conversation, they asked the mother how much the child weighs because, again, the mother is right there in right. the, in and the truck with them. And they guessed for adenosine. And they guessed for adenosine. And the mom goes, well, before she got sick, she was 55 pounds. Okay? So, first off, I want to just say 55 pounds is how many kilos? 25. So, yeah. they were off by five, five kilos-ish. Kilos. Yeah. Uh, with the, you know, five kilos under where right. they were. Um, 25 kilos. So should they, you know, now you look at the adenosine dose, the adenosine dose should have been higher. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right? Yes. So this is also why we don't estimate weights. weights. Like, Especially for pediatrics. Everything's based on a weight. Everything is based off a of weight. So Especially with mom right there. Like, mom, please go to the doctor's frequently but they should have roughly their weight within like one or two pounds well and that's it you know like it's a simple hey mom how much does the kid weigh be very specific boom done 55 pounds oh, awesome i'm running with it right you know yeah. so that's converted to around 25 kilos and uh it is determined that she it needs to be cardioverted with 12 joules of energy um mom has explained the procedure why they need to do it. Um, fluid on the thousand bag is stopped. Uh, the cardiac pads are put on her. Um, the medic syncs the monitor for cardioversion, sets the energy to 10 joules as there's no option on their monitor for 12. So I'm okay, okay with that. Yeah. Um, they shock her. Uh, the rate does break to a sinus tack in the 120s. Um, this paramedic then begins the the few, the you, you, ding, flu, yeah. <laughs> the fluid bolus, um, and uh, they calculate it and do it the proper way of 20 mLs per kilo, right? Um, vital signs are finally retaken because we've done all of this with one Not, set yeah, of vital signs, right? right? Uh, vital signs are finally retaken. Uh, heart rate is sinus tack on the monitor at a 125. Blood pressure via the autocuff is 97 over 71. Ventilations are 28. Still somewhat shallow, but retractions have improved. Uh, SpO2 is 95% on room air. And this is where they do their BG. They do a BG, and it comes back as 86 uh, milligrams per deciliter. Bless. What do you mean, less? I said bless. Oh, bless. I thought you said less. Mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't, what? I didn't make it. <laughs> so. Um, I um, was talking, and my mute was on, so you guys didn't hear me. <laughs> I, I didn't hear you at all, but it, I was waiting for you to have a whole conversation with yourself on mute. No, you guys are pretty quick. Because we asked a question, nobody asked me. Anybody re-listen to lung sounds? They, they did not re-listen to lung sounds as far as it was reported okay. to me. Um, okay. So they arrive at the hospital, and ultimately the child will, you know, get 
full recovery, antibiotics, all sorts of things. What was it? Um, I don't know. Oh, I... Turek. What? Fucking Leave me UTI. alone. I hate when that happens. It was, not, it was not a UTI. It could have been. I mean, it could have been, but. Do the what sound effect. Fuck. What? Sorry. Um, I, so, people don't do follow-ups. I cannot help <laughs> if they don't do follow-ups. All right? If you sent this to us, can you please just tell us what was wrong? <laughs> God. Right? Track down the family if you I mean, need be. Christ. <laughs> it's not on me if I don't have the information. Send the soup back to the house and politely ask. <laughs> right. Did the douche canoe lose his job? That I don't know. Oh, my God. What? I can't ask <laughs> that. Why? This yes, is not can. a legal question that I can ask. I'm asking. Okay, well, you can Somebody ask. Somebody send it in. If anybody wants Somebody to, you know, <sighs> slide into the DMs of Emily, there you go. Please. <laughs> so, um, I, I, so overall, how did this call go? Considering everything worse they had going have. on, I, it could have gone worse. It yeah. way could have gone worse. Like, I think the treatment was on point. Even if he is a douche canoe, I think it could have been done quicker. I think that it could have been more effectively, but the treatment was there. Okay. So is it... I think there could have been a way worse outcome, especially with, for how long the kid is... I mean, kudos to the EMT. For. Yes. And kudos to the EMT for calling the soup to kind of stop any tracks. Because yeah. I dread if that paramedic had to ride that whole thing in. Well, and too, you know, think about the, the, the thing that crosses my mind is... I am not confident in that paramedic to make any good decisions. Exactly. So, right. like, would, you know, they've already underdosed the uh, the adenosine. Would they then have underdosed the jewels? Probably. But then also, would they have even remembered to sync the cardio version, right. and now right. they defibrillate, and now the kid's in cardiac arrest. Right, right. Right? All because their mind is somewhere else. Somewhere else. Because yeah. they're angry or frustrated or whatever. You know, like... That's where I go. Yeah. So, I I think... I think that... Go ahead, Kelsey. Especially the EMT. Like, he kind of basically called the bosses, you know, told on his partner. I feel like that was just a really big step. But I don't know how many people would actually be able to yeah. do that. It's ballsy. Like, but good take for you. step back and be like, this patient needs more than what my med can handle. And exactly. my medic being here is going to make it worse. Yeah. So, like, kudos to them for being able to take that step and be like, yep. The next time I get to the shift, it's going to stop, but it's in this kid's best interest. Yeah. You know, and and this is kind of, you know, I, I, I did this call specifically because it had a lot of leadership and professionalism mm -hmm. impact on it. And, you know, it, it reminds me how really good leadership can take calls in a very positive direction. But when you have providers that are not professional and are not good leaders and you know it, it kind of steers the ship in the wrong direction and you know I want to ask you guys like in your opinion and we're going to do a whole lot of talking about professionalism and leadership this month um, but what do you guys want to see in a good provider that's also a good leader I preach this until I'm blue in the face with all the people that train with me. And for me to be a good provider and then to lead, because ultimately like when you're leading, all you want to do is like, oh, you're my friend. Like I want to show you how to do it to make this easier for you. Patient advocacy. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you can be the worst EMT in the world. If you advocate for your patient, you will not be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
that's kind of why we all do everything that we do, right? It's always about patient advocacy. And good for this EMT to advocate for the patient for better care, even though he's not the leader on scene. Good for you. Right. You recognize an issue and you fixed it. Right. And being, and like Kelsey said, being bold enough to be like, this needs to change now. And you know what? I'm going to step in a heap ton of shit. Right. But I'm I'm going to take this for the team because this patient requires it. Exactly. So I think that, that, you know, there needs to be a a huge kudos to that EMT for doing that. Anything else from you two guys? No. No, I feel like I covered everything I wanted to say. I think we pretty much covered everything we needed to cover. Um, Yeah, we we don't have any outcomes, so. So there's that. The, yeah, there's nothing really to talk about there. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, we can always, we can always, you know, fill the rest I, of the time in with the discussion So I am going to fill the last couple minutes with a couple points, right? Um, so we kind of alluded to a lot of different problems and, you know, complexities within the, the pediatric call. Um And recently I listened to a phenomenal episode of Medic Mindset. Um, I know I'm plugging another podcast here, but it was phenomenal. And um, I know, God forbid, (laughs) you you disseminate really good EMS information, right? Not something that I do anytime, Um, but uh, it was, it was absolutely fabulous. Uh, Ginger talked to a, uh, a pediatric um, attending from San Diego and um, I'm going to link that episode in the show notes uh, and the description of this episode so you she guys can go really listen to it. Best. She does. She, yeah. she really does. And they talked about uh, all of these, like, abnormalities with kids, right? And the, the one that really stuck with me is um, the, uh, the levels of retractions was one. And then uh, two was this, this doctor called kids uh, – they, that they had popsicle bodies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have never heard anyone be like, kids are popsicles. And what she meant by it is that, you know, their, their head and their neck and their shoulders are really big. And that's like the big part of the popsicle. But then the rest of their body is like the stick, tapers down. right? And it tapers down into this small, petite little thing. And because we always say like, yes, kids have really big heads. They Um, hold on. I just knocked my, uh, okay. Um, Did you just die or was it my phone? No, no, no. Are you no, still he had, there? He had, to, he had to put Kelly back in her place. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Um, she was so, getting out of line. Yeah, Do better, Kelly. Do better. I wonder what Kelly, Kelly never said anything about this call. Like she knew. I wonder what she thought. Yeah. Damn <laughs> Kelly. Um, so So, yeah, so this popsicle body, um, because of it, don't ever lay your kids down, right? Because uh, one of the things that this this MD said was that as soon as you lay the kids down, their head comes forward, that big popsicle comes forward, and there's a natural partial obstruction Mm -hmm. to the trachea, right? So you're automatically hurting your patient's oxygenation and ventilation by – just positioning, positioning. God, I am terrible. Today. <laughs> Awful today. Um, by positioning them incorrectly, you're you're causing a respiratory issue, right? right. Probably not going to be helpful with this kid, right? Who has a respiratory complaint. 
the next thing that they that I really took away from it was the levels of retractions, which I thought was like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Because you always see retractions in kids, <clears throat> but is a sternal worse than a clavicular? Is it worse than an intercostal? Like, where are they? So from mild to severe, intercostal retractions are your mild retractions. They're working a little bit, but they might still be bad, but it's not super terrible yet. Um, Then you move up to sternal and subclavicular retractions. So you're moving upwards towards the the head. Uh, When you see both of those, they're getting a little bit more severe. Then there's something that uh, I didn't even know it had a name. Um, I always just called it a uh, like a neck or throat retraction, but it's actually called a tracheal tug. Yes, and that's yeah. I didn't know yeah. that that was like a word. I just assumed that that's what I heard. You know, prior was this like neck retraction. So that's what I kept. Um, yeah, you're like breathing so hard the trachea is getting pulled down with it, right? Correct. And you get the little you gap get the in little the divot. Yeah. Um, if you if you look for your you know substernal notch or you know your actually you can actually see all of the trachea just dive into mm-hmm. the back of the throat because they're sucking so hard. Yeah. Um, and then it's not really a retraction, but she says the final, uh, the final you know bad juju is the jello neck head bob so when they finally go through all of their retractions and now you start seeing that jello neck head bobbing that's that's where they're like yep this this is imminent respiratory arrest Mm -hmm. they're really bad you need to fix them i thought that was phenomenal information like he said like weekend at bernie's it's you're you're in a bad spot (laughs) yes absolutely absolutely Um, the other big thing that I wanted to touch base on is using the resources you have on scene. And that is mom and dad, right? They know the story. Don't just ignore them. You know, don't be like, oh yeah, you know, fuck you. You're crazy. Calm them down and get that information. As crazy as they are, they still have relevant information that you need. And and that's just it. I I think anyone else would have handled it normally. Uh, I agree. The, yeah. the X factor in this was the was the paramedic just completely being off his fucking trolley. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I still don't understand where that all came from, but uh, yeah, no, that that was the biggest detriment to this. Um, but yeah, of course, use your, you know, your parents for your history and your, you know, your your PHI and everything else. I mean, they, they've got all the information you need right there. Yeah. Even if they're a little, you know, uh, excited, shall we say, you, you talk to them, you be calm. Right. That was the other thing. I, think, I guess that was the one thing I was going to add about, uh, you know a good leader or a good leadership quality um, for uh, somebody uh, managing a scene or whatever it would be presence of calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Don't it's contagious. Yeah. If you can be that person that, you know, the whole world is falling around to everybody and, you know, the sky is falling and, you know, the earth is on fire and you come in and you're like, Hey, how's it going? You know, mm-hmm. nothing to see here. Move along. Right. You know, it's all good. Your kid's really <laughs> sick, but we're going right. to, we're going to take care of it. Right. Yeah. No big deal. You know, you know it, professionals here. Yeah, it really is the. Um, it, it's. I think it's something that that goes a lot further than anything else, and it's not something you can teach. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's either it's it, it can be learned, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely a quality that um, I think a lot of people really, really, really need to have uh, before they I, step into those positions. Yeah. I 100% agree. Absolutely, because like you said, em, it's contagious, right? Yeah. One person walks in and is the calm in the storm. The, the, the five other people that might be chickens 
might be like, oh, okay, well, he's calm. Yeah, they're maybe, fine. Maybe, right. I mean, they're I'm fine. I'm not allowed to freak out until they freak out, so I'm right. good. Right, You know, like, it, it was always this, you know, uh, Gerard, you kind <laughs> of, you, you will get this uh, get this joke, but uh, Bill Engvall has a skit where he's flying, and he's like, I'm a really good flyer until the flight attendant freaks out. <laughs> right. And then it's like, then I'm allowed to be yeah. fucking crazy. Right. And and that's kind of, you know, like, if you see that one calm person, you can be like, I don't have to freak out until they freak right. out. And if they never freak out, you're good. You're good. You're fine. You're good through yeah. the whole thing. Um, we talked about weight, right? Weight is so critical in peds. It is... I mean, if there's any other information that is more critical than, hey, like HPI type history, what's been going on, get that weight. Even if not, if you, you know? walked into this kid and you had no HPI and you got vitals and see a heart rate of 215, you still need the weight. Right. Yeah. That is like the one thing I will ask before anything else. How much does this person weigh? Yeah. This pediatric. Because again, everything that you do in pediatrics is weight based. Yeah. Amount of you know, fluid that you give, meds that you give, energy that you give, yeah. everything, everything that you do, even in a cardiac arrest situation, the epi is based off of weight. Yeah. Right. So it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to slam in a milligram of epi. No. Like, that kid will have a pulse. The rock <laughs> next to him will have a pulse too. Right. Um, but everything revolves around an accurate weight. The days of, you know, being like, oh, yeah, they're like 50 pounds. I don't do that. Ask the mom and dad, ask the caregiver, ask whoever, how much does this kid weigh? You know what I've done? If they're, if I know that I'm just going to be given like a fluid bolus or something like that, I will. And the kids like normal, they're just, you know, they're slightly dehydrated. Yeah. They're, you know, heart rates ask up a little bit. Ask the kid how much they weigh or play a fun game with them and have them jump on the scale and show you, mm-hmm. right? Play yeah. with them. Like they, you don't have to just guess. Right. Like there's other ways to take two minutes and look outside the box it's for other it. solutions, right? So one of the things that you guys uh, kind of alluded to, Kelsey, you said, "Hey, I wanted to do re-up lung sounds." Gerard, you were saying, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not liking these lung sounds. They're wet. They're this." Yeah. Um, think about, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Well, they never address the lung sounds." So crackles mean fluid, right? We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, However, we don't know how long this kid was in SVT, right? This kid could have been in SVT for 10 hours. We don't know, right? right? The one thing that uh, research has showed is in kids, uh, prolonged SVT can cause uh, left-sided heart failure. Mm. So left-sided heart failure, we know, backs up into the lungs, giving this kid rails. So I'm sure that this kid at least in my opinion, probably had prolonged period of SVT causing some some form of heart failure, which then caused the um, crackles. the crackles in yeah. the lungs. You know, so um, I, I think that is just another thing to note because, again, we don't see these patients all that often. Thank God. Thank God. And, um, you know, and again, they're always more severe than – than we want them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no in-between semi-sick kid. It's like this kid's like, eh, or this kid is about to die. Right. Like, uh, you never see a kid in the middle. Um, so if there's nothing else, I guys. I feel like that's especially important to us because I feel like most people, you know, they hear dispatch for a five-year-old respiratory call, 
now they're hearing respiratory sounds and they might not ever even put two and two together that this could be a cardiac issue that's causing this or a respiratory issue that caused the cardiac issue mm-hmm. because you know people under 50 don't ever have heart issues yeah you know, but it's and right that's to, what a lot of people think it's really important to do a good assessment mm-hmm. yeah and and not just be like oh yep whatever we found that but i'm not actually going to think about it like take the whole picture right. You know, get stuck like on one finding. Right. Exactly. Especially with kids because they present differently. Yeah. You know, ask this kid, does their tummy, you know, have, you know, right. does their tummy hurt? Does anything hurt? You know, figure out on their level what you can, what you can ask and how they need to interpret it to understand what the heck you're talking about. Right. You know, I, I will say that going from a, a, a provider that, didn't have kids when I when I first started to now having two, I will definitely say that providers that have kids understand and can treat pediatrics better. 100%. When 100%, like, it is night and day. I can communicate with any kid, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Seven years too. ago just, before my kids, no I'm way. I 100% agree with that. No way. You know? And, on the, and I'm not saying, like, go out and steal a kid so you can... <laughs> But interact with them. Don't be scared of them. Yeah. You know, ask they they have likes and dislikes. Right. If I if you say to my kids, what do you like? They'll tell you for an hour. <laughs> so ask them. Like they're just right. people. Right. They think like we do. They talk like we and do. Most like, of them want to talk. Damn skippy they do. I can't shut mine up. <laughs> But if that's all, guys, uh, we will see you hopefully with a uh, very special guest um, all about leadership for the uh, November 15th episode. So we're, we're still working out the, uh, the final details on, uh, on getting um, this gentleman in here. Uh, but uh, I'm hopeful that it will be a, a very exciting conversation. Um, he runs a uh, EMS Leadership Academy. And uh, in our local area, actually, but it's a national, um, you know, it has national reach. And uh, the whole goal of uh, of Robbie's, you know, mission, I guess, is to spread the benefits of really good EMS leadership. Here's how to obtain it. Here's how to teach it. Here's how to, you know, evolve your your agency to get it. Um, so I thought. You know, with this call and with that conversation, this was going to be a really good month for uh, for leadership qualities. So, till next time, guys, stay safe. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.